And so now this is a time for us to practice the Dhamma and to train our minds. The mind that is trained well is a mind that will have energy and it will be firm and have a strong foundation. If we just gain a little bit of peace in our hearts, then we can call this kanaka samadhi, like a, a small amount of samadhi. This is a mind which, or a form of samadhi in our minds, which uh, has uh, some uh, like foundation to it. In a way that we can gain this is to contemplate and contemplate in a way that brings our minds to peace. People, different people have different um, personalities and their minds work in different ways. And so some people are of the nature to have a lot of thoughts and um, their minds like to be very active. And so if they try and just stay with the meditation word buddho, um, then the mind may not get peaceful at all. And it may have the opposite effect of um, bringing up a lot of thinking, a lot of disturbance in the mind. And so in that case, we should use any object of contemplation, which allows the mind to come to peace and to rest in a state of stillness. One thing that we can recollect is the Buddha that he had great compassion and the compassion which was limitless, boundless. He, through many, many of his, his previous lives, he sacrificed his life um, so that he could attain to the Dhamma. And we can't count how many times he, he gave up his life for this. He attained to the Dhamma in order to be able to teach us and to teach us the way out of samsara. There are many people um, at this time as well who are willing to sacrifice their lives to help others, such as the doctors and nurses working in the hospitals, helping those who have fevers. And many of them have, have died uh, from this, from trying to help other people. But for the Buddha, he, he gave up his life so many times that we can't even count. The parami that he had, these uh, spiritual qualities that he had collected uh, were full. And he, he made them full so that he could become enlightened and become the Buddha, so that he could defeat the defilements within his mind. So as we recollect the Buddha in this way, then this brings up a sense of joy and a sense of fullness within our hearts. And it's an object of recollection, which is appropriate for all of us because all of us practitioners, we all have faith in the Buddhas and we all uh, respect the Buddha in the highest degree. So when we recollect these qualities, it should bring up a sense of, of joy and fullness into our hearts. We can also recollect his great wisdom and his great purity as well, that his heart was free from the defilements. 
he had loving kindness and compassion that was pure. And when we think in this way and we go over this, then this should easily bring up joy within. And so just carry on recollecting in this way, go over it again and again. We can think about the, the wisdom of the Buddha that he was able to defeat ignorance. And this ignorance had been in his mind for a very, very long time, but he was able to overcome it all by himself. So he had this wisdom that was pure. And that's what we recollect when we recite the chants, Namotasa, Bhagavato, Arahato, Sama, Sambuddhasa. And his, so his wisdom was, was uh, so great that he was able to completely overcome and defeat the defilements, something that no one, no one else was able to do before him. So these three qualities of the great wisdom, the great compassion, the great purity of the Buddha, are things that we can recollect in order to bring up happiness, in order to make our hearts feel full, and something that we should do very often, go over this again and again, so that peace will come into our hearts and we'll feel light in both our body and mind. As we do this, then our samadhi, the collected, uh, state of mind should become even firmer. And then we can call that Upajara Samadhi, which is a Samadhi which is close to stillness. And someone asked the question, is it possible from just having Upajara Samadhi to see into the Dharma? Is that enough to see into the Dharma? But this is something that we really shouldn't doubt about. What we should be doing instead is training our minds and trying to establish our minds as much as we can in peace through contemplation. And some people, it's more appropriate for them to, in their practice, to contemplate uh, more into anicca, into instability, impermanence. So we can see the unstable nature of the body. So just like our hair, you know, it it's, uh, starts growing. And then as we age, then it changes color and it falls out. Our teeth, they can break. And these bodies, they all eventually get old. They all sicken, they all die. Some people die while they're in the womb. Some while they're small children, some in their youth. And so we can see that life is not sure. We can look at this with anything, whether it's uh, trees or things in nature and any objects in the world, we can contemplate them in a way that we can see into their unstable nature. And this is what we can refer to as taking anicca as the object of our mind in order to bring about the wisdom which uh, cultivates peace. So this is a way of using contemplation in order to give rise to calm. Sometimes if we do this, then when we stop doing it, um, the mind in no long time will start thinking again. So we just need to carry on doing it over and over again, doing it very often, contemplating often.
another way of establishing our mindfulness is to go over the chant, itipiso. And we can do that 108 times. We do this um, to be mindful while we're chanting. And so whether we're standing, we're sitting, we're walking, we're lying down, we keep our mindfulness there with us. And this is a good way of training our minds to be mindful, to be present. All of this training is for the purpose of bringing our minds to stillness, which in turn will allow us to see into the nature of things, see the nature of change in both the world and also in our minds. An example uh, that we could make is like water in a pond. Now, if that water is really murky, then we won't be able to see to the bottom of the pond. But if we allow the sediment and the water to sink to the bottom, then we'll be able to see very clearly. And so if there are many of the kilesas, the defilements that are active, causing the mind to think in a way that's very restless and um, just thinking about this and that, creating different stories about things, then we need to do something which will uh, prevent the mind from going into thought in that way. So we can then use the, the recollection of the Buddha, as I mentioned previously. And it's something that's appropriate for all of us because as practitioners, we all have faith in the Buddha. Those people who, whose uh, nature is to, be, to have a lot of wisdom uh, can use the contemplation of emptiness. And this is taking up Nibbana as the Aramana, as the object of the mind. This will teach us to not get involved with anything, not attached to anything. And then we can see that Nibbana is the most supreme happiness. And it's a training for us to, to let go. And just as Ajahn Chah taught that we shouldn't hold firmly to things. We should hold things, but not firmly. And this was the, the wisdom of, of Ajahn Chah to teach like this. And so really the objects of wisdom are all involved with anicca, dukkha, anatta, this instability, stress, and not self. So whatever we can contemplate that that brings up peace, that establishes the mind and samadhi, then we should contemplate that often. Some people find contemplating the body very easy. And so we should do that in a way that we can see its impermanent nature. We can contemplate our own bodies, we can contemplate the bodies of animals or of people around us, or just the physical forms of things that don't have consciousness. We can look at all of them in a way that we can see their impermanent nature. When we do this effectively, then we'll be able to release our attachment to things. We'll be able to let go because we've understood into their nature. And just like the different things that we have in our houses, we can see that some of them break, some of them get old. 
And, and that's just their nature to be like that. Or as we're sitting here watching our breath, we can contemplate into the nature of our breath. We can see how each breath arises and passes away. If we do that well, then we'll be able to, to have insight. Uh, this is called vipassana practice. And so samatha practice is that which brings about peace. It's any object which allows our mind to settle into peace. And vipassana is any object which allows us to see in line with reality. But really these two practices of vipassana and samatha, they both go together, they're a pair, and they don't get separated out. So there's no need to have any doubts about the path of practice. This way of practice that we've been taught, it will allow us to understand for sure. This practice of sila samadhi panya, of virtue, of concentration, the collected mind, and of wisdom, it will take us out of suffering for certain. If we don't follow on with this path, though, we'll need to be born and get sick, grow old and die many, many times. It'll just keep going on and on. And so this virus now, which is uh, you know, many people are worried about, it's something that we've probably actually met with many times before. We've probably died from viruses many, many different times. It's something that we've experienced before in our previous lives, and it's something that we're going through again in this life. And so we can see that the world is, is changing, but it's nothing new, really. There have been many things that have stirred up the world, that have uh, been very uh, critical and serious situations. And so like we've had World War I, World War II, and in the future, we'll see wars again. Some of the disasters that we experience, they come about from nature. Some come about from, from humans. And some come about just from the natural decay of the world. But if we carry on practicing, then what we do is we make this birth and death shorter and shorter. The amount of times that we'll have to experience birth and death that becomes shorter. So we should try and, and look into anicca, dukkha, anatta as much as possible. The Buddha said that if we see these three characteristics clearly, then we won't experience an eighth li eight more lives. At most, it'll be ten, uh, seven lives. If uh, we practice even further, then it'll be three. And if we see in a very clear and refined way, it'll just be one more life. So we should all really throw ourselves into the practice during this life because we've had this great opportunity to meet with the teachings of the Buddha. We need to be able to make it there. We need to be able to get to the point where we see into things clearly. So we should all try to bring our minds to peace as much as we can, to make our efforts as constant as possible.
Ajahn Chah taught that uh, Maga Pala Nibbana, the path, the fruits, and Nibbana, they're not something that are beyond this day and age. If we follow this path of practice, then there's something that we can attain to. And this is what Ajahn Chah said himself. So practice a lot and be mindful and know what's happening. When we read the news and we read that in this country, there have been so many people who have contracted the, this virus. And in that country, there have been so many people who have died. We can contemplate this in a way that allows us to see into the impermanent nature of life and then bring that back to ourselves to see that our, our own life is not sure. But don't do it in a way that makes you depressed, that brings the mind down. We do it so that we can understand clearly, in line with truth, that these lives of ours really are unstable. They're, they're not sure. And if we contemplate often, then our minds will be established in peace. And we'll be able to understand the nature of anicca, of instability and of stress. And so this is what the Buddha taught uh, for us to bring up these perceptions of anicca in both uh, physicality and mentality. And he, he once gave a sermon to, to a particular monk about this, and this monk was ill. But as he taught uh, about the, the bringing up this, the perception of impermanence, into both physicality and mentality, this monk was able to be relieved from his sickness. And this is what we can call the medicine of the Dhamma. It's a medicine which, which can relieve our bodies of, of illness and also can bring light into our hearts. So we should try and train our minds in the Dhamma every day.